Hello, and welcome to episode 33 of the Mental Chat Podcast. My name is Melissa, and I'm coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm here with my trusty co-host, Maeve Kitty, who is taking a nap in the sun. Before we get to episode 33, a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, I want to thank everybody for making episode 32 such a success. It was a lot of fun. And I've got something similar planned with a different cast of characters coming up later on. I also wanted to make mention of the passing of Taylor Hawkins. Now, I'm more of a metal person, obviously, but I did like, I do like the Foo Fighters. I prefer their earlier stuff. I kind of checked out 2000 or so, but I always went and saw them whenever they played live because I always enjoyed seeing them. The last time that I saw them was at Fenway Park in 2018, and it was a great show. At that show, Taylor, and as you know, he's a big Queen fan, he came out and did the song Under Pressure, and he did a great job. He had a great voice, and it was very entertaining. It is always sad when somebody passes away young, 50s young, especially when you're old like me, and especially under these circumstances. You always get a lot of speculation when somebody high profile passes away. And then oftentimes what happens is when they find out that maybe drugs or alcohol are involved, their life, their life's work suddenly becomes less important or that their death becomes less tragic. I would ask that people step back for a minute. It has been my experience, and while I am not an alcoholic or a drug addict, luckily, I do know people who have struggled with the disease. And it seems to me that it is usually a symptom of other problems going on. We don't know his home life, his history, his childhood, any demons he might have, any traumatic experiences he might have suffered from. And we want to remember that somebody is always somebody's child. And in this case, somebody's husband, somebody's father, somebody's friend, somebody's bandmate. And so let's lead with a little bit of kindness when reflecting on one's life and subsequent death. I'm off my soapbox now, and we're moving on to episode 33. This is a chat that I had with a gentleman by the name of Chris. He is from Nashville, Tennessee, and he is in an Iron Maid tribute band called Power Slave. You might be familiar with Chris, because if you listen to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone, you heard his Iron Maiden story. It's episode 79, installment 19, if you'd like to go back and check it out. He goes into a little bit more detail about his Iron Maiden story and his history with the band. This chat is a little bit more about him and his band and what it's like to have a tribute band and a little peek behind the curtain of the music biz in general. If you would like to get in touch with me, you may do so. I'm on Twitter quite a bit, at Metal Chat Pod, or you can email me. Metal Melissa podcast at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch with Chris, there will be links in the description. And with that, we are on to episode 33, Chris from Power Slave. So I'm here with Chris. He's from Nashville, Tennessee, and he is from the band Power Slave, which is an Iron Maiden experience, not a tribute band. Am I right? Correct. That's how we build ourselves as Power Slave, the Iron Maiden experience. That's great. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Just want to chat with you a little bit about your band and a little bit how you uh, got in the business and kind of all of this kind of stuff. Are you from Nashville? No, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, but I've been in Nashville almost 14 years. 
Did you come to Nashville for music? Yes, that's what brought me here, yeah. Did the Power Slave Band bring you, or was it another band that brought you? Uh, it wasn't really a band. I just wanted to get more into songwriting. Um, I started out uh, down here writing for the country market, because when you're an outside songwriter, that's kind of where the market is. So I came down to uh, learn more about that. And after making uh, consecutive trips for about six months, I just decided to move down here. Yeah, Power Slave's only been together, I guess, about, well... It's kind of hard to judge because of the whole pandemic thing, I guess like yeah. three years, but really, you know, we lost like a year and a half there and there, but, but yeah, it was music that brought me here, but not anything specific, not a specific band or opportunity. Were you, when you were in Cincinnati, were you in bands in Cincinnati? I mean, yeah. have you obviously you're, yeah. you've always been a musician. You've always been, were you in country bands or were you in metal no. bands? No, metal bands mostly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a full-time musician in Cincinnati. I had um, two original bands. One was called Character. Uh, we've got a couple albums out on Spotify. And then another one was called The Seventh Seal, which we actually had disbanded and regrouped and we changed the name to Blood Seal. We do have an album on Spotify and iTunes and all that because uh, we found out there were like a dozen other bands called The Seventh Seal. So we changed the name to Blood Seal. But uh, but I played in some uh, cover bands too and did some duos. I had released two albums, actually three if you count the live one of Latin flamenco world beat music. So I toured a lot as an instrumental acoustic artist, played in Mexico a couple times and a guitar festival down there and toured up and down kind of the East Coast uh, doing that. Wow, that's awesome. So why an Iron Maiden tribute band? I mean, is this for fun? Is this because is, is, is this your day job or is this? <laughs> I, I try to make it my day job as much as possible. Um, well, Iron Maiden's my favorite band, them and Kiss. Kiss is the reason I started playing guitar, so they always have a special place in my heart. Uh, but musically, I mean, Iron Maiden's music just gets me going like nothing else. And I happened upon our singer, Terry Palace. He was doing another local Iron Maiden uh tribute band where they just kind of what they did was they would just get different friends of theirs up to play Iron Maiden songs and he sung about half of the songs and um, they opened up with Where Eagles Dare and the first line he sang like my jaw hit the floor and kept going to China I was like holy fucking shit where's this guy been all my life because he sounded so much like Bruce Dickinson I couldn't wow. get over it so I went up to him right afterwards introduced myself said dude we got to do something and and what they were doing was just kind of uh, like I said having friends get together and, and play and uh, he wanted to do something a little bit bigger you know and more touring and regional mm -hmm. and, and so did I so that's kind of how it uh, how it came together but yeah I mean I just never thought I'd be playing an Iron Maiden tribute band I, like I said, my favorite band. I love playing the stuff. And um, actually, one of my earlier bands, I had a cover band a long time ago. First band I was ever in, Salem. We did like seven or eight Iron Maiden songs. So we were almost an Iron Maiden. Almost, you're all, almost there. And we were, we were doing like deep cuts. We were doing like Revelations, which Power Slave does. But we were doing To Tame a Land, Ides of March. I mean, just, oh, uh, nice. yeah. No, yeah, because I've just yeah. been a Maiden fanatic. Yeah, well, Revelations is my favorite Iron Maiden song. Oh, so. yeah, we do that. Yeah, it's uh, a good one. Yeah, that's great. I, it, it seems to me that lately there seems to be more and more tribute bands. Like, I don't remember there being so many out there. Does it seem to you like there's a lot? Not just Iron Maiden, but in, I mean in general. I think it's kind of started in the late 80s, early 90s is where it started to take off. And then it kind of like dissipated and there wasn't anything. Now there's yeah. a lot of it. And I think the, the reason is a couple things. One, you know, a lot of these uh, nostalgic acts and stuff. I mean, like even Iron Maiden, even though they're active and, and tour, they only tour once every few years and they only play mm -hmm. select cities. Right. So like that's one of the reasons it works to our advantage because people want to hear Iron Maiden. You know, they've got a large following. They're one of the biggest bands in the world and they've got, you know, their fans are diehard. So people want to get their Iron Maiden fix. So it gives fans an opportunity, you know, while not to see the real Iron Maiden, to see something that, you know, is pretty darn close right. and have fun and rock out. So I think that sort of thing is kind of happening. You know, a lot of these older bands are not touring as much. Some of them have passed on a good 
one of my best friends mm -hmm. here in Nashville, he's Tom Petty in a, in a Tom Petty tribute band. And they were just starting to get going. And then all of a sudden, sadly, Tom Petty passed away. And then all of a sudden they were being booked everywhere. Right. Uh, you know, because you can't get the real thing anymore. Right. That's, I think what's happening with some of it, you know, people like to hear the, the old hits and stuff. You know, there's tons of Journey tribute bands, Led Zeppelin yeah. tribute bands. Yeah. I hear that. So. You know, it's it's funny because I've seen like uh, Pink Floyd tribute bands. Some some of them are really, really yeah. amazing, you know, like uh, Brit Pink right. Floyd and Australian Pink Floyd. And I've seen a couple of um, Led Zeppelin tribute bands. Uh, like I saw Get the Let Out and they're like nationally known, internationally known right. bands. And it always seemed to me that tribute bands kind of like, as I recall, in like in the 80s and the 90s, it was kind of like a joke thing or whatever. It wasn't like a real, nobody really took it seriously. And it seems like now right. it's being taken much more seriously seriously and you're getting like a higher caliber it's not just oh yeah a bunch of guys is getting a, it's it's like people who who are real musicians and really are taking this a little bit more seriously than i think that what i've seen in the past mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, absolutely i mean you know and and a lot of them you know get paid very well and that usually brings out higher caliber musicians and people tend to take it more serious you know, when, when they're, they're getting paid more than you would right. playing, you know, a dive club right, and stuff. Right. I also think that one of the things that's really helping tribute bands is the fact that tickets are just so expensive to go yeah. see a real, you know, to go see Iron Maiden or You're to go see right. Judas Priest or, yeah. I mean, it's not just the ticket, right? It's the ticket, it's the parking, it's the $12 beer, exactly. it's the whole the whole thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there, you know, to go see someone like, like journey, you know, you're going to be looking at 200 bucks a person. You can go right. see a journey tribute band for 25 bucks a person. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. You know, th there's absolute de definitely you know, plays into it. Have you, so you have obviously in Nashville seen an uptick in, so I would imagine I've been in Nashville. I actually saw Iron Maiden in Nashville. I went down to Nashville to see them on the book of souls tour. Oh, I was at the show. Yeah. I was. Oh, there. I didn't see you there. Yeah. <laughs> I went down there. I, I was there overnight and I didn't even stay at a hotel. I was like, I flew in and I went downtown and I went to a couple of breweries. What was the one I liked the best? Um, Something antelope or something? No, I can't remember. Now I can't remember. Oh, what jackalope. It's jackalope. Jackalope. That's it. Jackalope. Yes. Jackalope. Yeah. I hung out yeah. there for a yeah, while. They have a, seasonal, they have a seasonal called Lovebird that's really good. And my favorite is Bear Walker. Bear Walker is pretty awesome. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. I, I, I don't even remember what I had there. That was a fun place. And they were really nice. And then I went right before I went into the show, I was at this Mexican restaurant that was right near the venue, hung out there and met some people or whatever. And anyway, I ended up just like going to the show and then just hanging out at bars and stuff and then getting on a plane and going home. Yeah. I just popped in, popped in to see the show and left, but it was good. It was, it's a, it's a nice city. I'd like to go back and see a little bit more. I think it's, it's weird. People always think of Nashville and they only think of like country music and there's just so much more. Everybody outside, there. everybody outside of Nashville thinks that everybody outside. And the funny thing is that irony is mostly, if you ever listen to hair nation on Sirius XM, like every other band they play lives here. There are so yeah. many eighties rockers yeah. that live here. There's, there's actually a strong hard rock and metal scene here. It's just kind of underground and you don't really know about it unless you're here and in, into that, you know, in that community. Yeah. Which is nice. It's, that's nice that, that they have that, that they have that going on. So are you, does the tribute band get a traditional uh, manager and publicist and a whole team like that? Or is it just sort of a DIY type of thing that you guys do? It's kind of DIY. We do work with some booking agents, but I kind of pretty much run things. I kind of handle all those hats. Uh, the management part, the promotion part and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there might be some out there that have that. I, I would think, you know, some of the like the bigger ones, like some of those national touring Brit, uh, uh, Pink Floyd bands probably yeah. have. But uh, yeah, we're kind of more do it ourselves. Yeah. So how how is it? So 
pre-pandemic, how was it for um, booking shows and things like that? Is it uh, you just kind of going with the meeting up with a promoter or, you know, getting in touch with a promoter? Walk us through sort of how it works to like get a gig. (laughs) Again, it's kind of a weird situation because of the pandemic, because we actually did our first show February of 2020. So we had done one show and we had another one already set up here in town. Uh, And unfortunately, the venue got demolished by a tornado. And then we moved to a new venue and then COVID hit and everything shut down. Uh, Right after that first gig, immediately we had a bunch of booking agents who were really interested in booking us. And then COVID hit and everything came to a standstill. Mm -hmm. And so we are still now trying to get things back into a swing of things with it, you know, because of that, because, you know, you still have, even though like Nashville was one of the first like major cities, I think to really kind of open up, you, you know, we play a lot of out of town shows and there were still a lot of other cities that were not opening up or they had limited seating or even like our last show here in Nashville, Uh, which is a great venue. And we usually draw really, really well there. We only had half capacity last time because they were uh, doing what a handful of clubs here were doing was the vax card or negative COVID test to get in. And most of our followers right away, as soon as they saw, they said, well, I'm not coming to the show. I love you guys, but yeah, I'm not going to do that. And we're like, we understand it's not our call, you know? So unfortunately that really really hurt the attendance of the show big time, but you know, yeah. And then like some of those booking agents we were in contact with now they're, they've gotten out of the business because they didn't have any work for a year right. and, and stuff. So we're still trying to kind of find the groove again with it all. When you do book a show, do you uh, have to make a deal where they, they get a certain percentage of your merch or how does the ticket sales sort of work? Do you, uh, do usually they- we get, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's really kind of all over the place. Sometimes we do a flat. Uh, that's usually what we like as a guarantee. Although we've done some door deals where we either get the door or percentage of the door and that actually usually ends up working in our favor because Again, we're an Iron Maiden band. We draw us pretty well. Only uh, There's only one venue, really, that took a percentage of the merch. You, some of the bigger venues will. That's kind of a case-by-case thing. We don't really play dive bars. We usually play like three to 600-seat places, kind of like your little mid-sized concert venues where you would have some national acts coming through, right. You know, but not, obviously not like arenas or, or things like that. So most of those, some of them will take a, a, a small percentage of the merch. Some don't. It really kind of depends. Some of it are kind of like, you know, well, you know, you just, just go ahead and keep it you know it was a slow night or whatever you know or whatever you know we made we made enough money at the bar you go keep your merch yeah. or you know whatever so it's really kind of case by case that's good do you you so you've got a day job and you're doing this job which is because this podcast is like a second job for me so i can certainly understand that this is a second like a second job for you well, well my you, day job is music my day job is music i teach guitar i have a couple online guitar courses and stuff too so okay and then i do uh, i do merch on the side actually uh, as you may have seen on Twitter, I, I always post pictures. I uh, work for a lot of bands doing merch. That's kind of my side hustle. Yeah, well, I was just going to ask you. I was just going to ask you about that. Who designs your merch? Do you? Yeah, yeah. You design. You- this is our latest design. We've got two new designs that just yeah. we just got. Uh, it was really cool. A fan in Croatia just found us on, on, on Facebook and really loved that we were an Iron Maiden trip band, loved, loved our videos. And he came up with this design and another design and sent them to us. And so I had some shirts done. So we're going to be selling these. I'm going to send him some for, you know, for doing it for us and yeah. stuff. So, but yeah, I handle all our merch because that's kind of my area of expertise. Mm. And likewise, so, our singer, our singer handles our lights because he actually has worked lights. He's been out on the road with Metallica and Def Leppard doing lights and stuff like that. So, so he handles the lights. I handle the merch. <laughs> 
That sounds good. Have you ever met anybody in Iron Maiden? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've actually performed on stage with them twice. Oh, really? Um, yeah. On, uh, uh, I don't know if you, you've been a fan for a long time, I guess. 40 plus years. Okay. Okay. So you remember the song Heaven Can Wait? Yep. They would bring people out on stage. I, okay. Yeah. I got, I got to do that twice. So, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, I've met them all like several times. I mean, I even met Clyde Burr back in the day. I've met Paul Diana too, but not when he was with Iron Maiden. But yeah, I've met all the guys in the band, you know, a few times over the years. Do they know you have that you have Power Slave? No, because I haven't I haven't met any of them since this uh, came to fruition. Have you guys ever played Boston? Because I've never played Boston, have you? No, we haven't. We haven't. I've been to Boston. It's a great town. I love it. a lot of history, great architecture. Um, really dug it up there. I'd love to go back and we'd, we'd love to play there. I mean, we're willing to play anywhere, really. It's just a matter of, you know, making the, the finances and logistics work out. Because you have to you have to pay for your own travel and all of that kind of stuff. Right. 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 Sometimes a lot of times the venues, if it's a far away gig, you know, they'll cover the hotel rooms and stuff. But we still got, you know, gas and, uh, you know, sometimes we might have to rent a van. Uh, sometimes we, we have other workarounds for that, too. You know, the other thing is, too, we like to try to pick up some other shows along the way. Like right. the furthest I've been is Kansas City. And that was kind of a hike and really, really tried like heck to try to get something else lined up along the way to or from and just weren't able to. So we drove all the way out there for one show, which was still mm. worth it. And, you know, glad we did. But yeah, it was a bit for, for one show. So that's another thing is just trying to, like I said, get logistics together with it all and stuff. So do you normally, it looks to me from the research that I've done that you play mostly with other tribute bands? Yeah, that's, it's funny. It's not really been our intention. Just the last few shows we had, actually the last three we had. Last time we had a Black Sabbath tribute band and that came about because um, I actually came up with the idea of running a contest uh, to get our opening band for the last show uh, to try to get the word out on Facebook. The idea was, you know, if you're a band tag a bunch of friends and you know whoever like pretty much it was kind of almost almost like a popularity contest as long as the mm. band didn't suck um and we narrowed it down to four and one was the tribute band the other three were original bands and they were really great bands too uh, we'd love to do something with them but we ended up with the 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 black sabbath tribute band one because they were local and uh the other ones were a little far away and we didn't know how well of a draw they would do coming to nashville and we already have kind of the nashville draw so we wanted people from outside and we thought it was kind of cool to have a black sabbath tribute band open and then the time before we had a um a metallica time before we played in nashville we had a metallica tribute band open uh, which are some buddies of ours so uh, yeah i mean it just kind of worked out that way and, and it's a cool thing you know i'd like to do more of that because because you get kind of a package deal for the audience. Yeah, because uh, every time so I've seen, I see like I've seen like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and yeah. Iron Maiden Dio, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, is there other Iron Maiden? tribute bands in nashville just the one that terry our singer was kind of a part of and they only do things uh once or twice a year and again it's kind of a little different because they they call themselves iron tribe and they're like a tribe of friends that just kind of like one guy will play bass on this song one guy will do guitar on this song mm -hmm. and then they swap out and stuff so it's kind of like more like an iron maiden jam thing which is cool just you know not exactly what uh what you know what we do so uh not to the the, the production level either but when you do a show do you there's been like a led zeppelin tribute band that does like they'll do they'll sort of like recreate a particular concert do you do things like that do you do like a um a world slavery tour show or a particular That's kind of, not, not really we kind of you know as we put together as i put together the set list I, I kind of went through like their set list throughout history and then you know there's some songs that they kind of always do obviously you can do the hits and our our stage production leans more towards the world slavery thing just because the band's called power slave so right. we kind of have that element to it uh we've not really recreated a full uh concert show uh not saying that we won't same thing i've been asked before if like we ever thought of doing like one album in its entirety 
And I kind of right. always joke, I'm like, well, we almost do peace of mind in its entirety. Almost. <laughs> <It's> my favorite. <laughs> um, but, you know, and again, that's something we would be open to, but we're not doing enough shows right now at the moment to try to warrant the amount of work that goes into right. doing something like right. that. You know, get we're back into say, it. Right. Still trying to get it back up and running. Uh, you know, again, thing out of things are kind of sort of getting back to normal in the world. Do you think things are going to get back to normal or do you think it's always going to be a little bit, there's always going to be something a little bit off? Because never. I think that depends right. on who you ask. My personal opinion, I think the whole COVID thing is going to be like the flu. You know, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. some people get sick. Unfortunately, some people die from the flu. Some people are going to die from COVID. I hate that it happens, but it is what it is. But it's going to be treated like the flu. And you just, you know, if you're, you think you're susceptible or, you know, your likelihood of getting it, then you be more cautious about it and stuff. Hopefully, you know, mm -hmm. we don't go back to the whole hibernation quarantine type thing. Yeah. You were saying that you do all online guitar lessons. So I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that that went really well while people are yeah, quarantining. Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah, get actually, more business? Actually, yeah, I did for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Actually that, that definitely did help out. I had also released two online guitar courses, one released right as COVID was happening. So that actually timed out really well for the launch of that because a lot of people had a lot of time in their hands. They weren't working mm -hmm. and, and stuff. So that's good. So that's something that you're going to continue to do. Yeah, yeah, I'll periodically release online guitar course. I'm working on a new one now that'll be released sometime here in the near future when I finish editing it all. What other goals do you have for your future? Like, do you want uh, Power Slave to become like Brit Floyd or oh, the Australian that. Pink Floyd or whatever? Yeah, from, yeah. I, mean, I would love that. I would love to go and, you know, tour quite a bit, go out three weekends of the month and play, you know, regionally or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the likelihood of that happening, I don't know. Just because of reality and logistics, but mm -hmm. yeah, I would, I would love, you know, for that to happen because I really enjoy the hell out of doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What is your favorite Iron Maiden song? Ace is high. <laughs> is that also your favorite song to play or is it, does it change? You know, it's <laughs> funny thing. I get asked that a lot. It's actually not my favorite song to play. The reason is, is because it's more technically intricate. And so I can't really rock out and run around the stage trying to play it. <laughs> my favorite one to play is probably wasted years and that's only because i do very little on it i just play chords and rhythm guitar on that one but i can you know rock out and hold my guitar in the air and do all kinds of uh, you know showy stuff on stage while i'm playing it aces high i can't even though i love coming out and, and doing aces high so yeah um, yeah it's kind of funny that it's always a, a weird thing sometimes you have songs that are more your favorite to listen to some are more favorite to yeah that's play. what i figured what song do you not like, is there a song that you're like, no, I do not want to play that song. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> it's just, is it, that just because you're sick of it? Is that because, yeah. yeah, just because yeah, it's yeah. like, but you know, every time we play it though, I get so into it because the crowd is so into it. Right. And that makes all the difference. And then that's the thing about doing this gig. I mean, yeah, I love doing it. You get treated really well and usually paid pretty decently doing it. It's a lot of fun. And, and we get to kind of call the shots because it's our show. But the, at the end of the day, I mean, the most exciting, rewarding part about it really is the audience because they're all up front rocking out in your face, singing every word to every Iron Maiden song, you know, wearing the Iron Maiden shirts. And it's just like so cool. And you get that interaction, that synergy going. And it just makes us play that much better and work that much harder on stage. So, and, you know, we, we kind of all, you know, feel that way about it. Do you have three guitars? We have two guitars. We can't afford a third one. <laughs> I was wondering who was prancing around the stage like uh, Yannick. I kind, of, I kind of do that. Not, not to the extent he does. Not to the extent he does. But yeah, yeah, we've just decided to keep it two guitars. Yeah, kind of old school back, yeah. back in the day. 
Are you thinking about, you know, like the Iron Maidens have released albums and stuff. I mean, is that something that you guys are thinking about doing? I've toyed with the idea of us going in the studio and recording some Iron Maiden songs. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, the idea is kind of there. I mean, right now we're just, you know, we've got several live videos and, uh, you know, I'd like to get more of a professional live video shot done. Kind of almost went that route this last show, but it was our first show with a new second guitar player. So we weren't totally sure how that was going to work out. So we, we decided not to not to do it for this last show. But uh, I think it'd be more interesting getting a good professional live video of at least, you know, a couple of tracks or, or maybe going to the studio and recording a couple of tracks. I don't know about a whole album, though. So if you weren't in an Iron Maiden tribute band, what other tribute band would you be in? I could sing. I'd do a Kiss tribute band. <laughs> uh, I don't. Well, <laughs> you don't necessarily have to be able to sing anymore. Apparently, <laughs> true. Actually, I'd probably do a Motorhead one, just because I get told I look like Lemmy when I wear a cowboy hat a lot. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I could rock out on some Ace of Spades. I mean, if I was just doing guitar, I mean, I wouldn't mind like a Journey tribute band. Uh, I would want something that's again kind of rock, high energy. I love Heart, so I wouldn't mind playing guitar in a Heart tribute band. Just, you know, it'd have to be something that I enjoy the hell out of their songs. You know, I'm not going right. to do one of a band that I'm like, uh, okay with, or only like a couple songs. Yeah. It's got to be something that I'm really into. Have you done anything off the new album? Are you learning stuff off Sinjitsu? We talked about it kind of when the album came out, we just were getting this new guitar player. So we wanted to kind of get him tight with the whole set first before we did anything. We did throw in uh, one new song. We threw in, well, not new song, but new song for the band. We threw in Wrath, uh, not Ratchet, Wicker Man. Um, oh, nice. I love Wicker Man. We hadn't done Wicker Man until this past show. We figured, well, he's got to learn all these 18 other songs. What's one more? We do up to, uh, I guess Wicker Man is the, the most recent song that we do. We might end up throwing in something off Senjutsu down the road. You know, it's like anything, even though a lot of fans know that, there's a lot of fans that don't know it. And, right. you know, when you start doing things like that, you lose people. Like, actually, right. I'm surprised sometimes we do like the Clairvoyant, which I love. That's one of my favorite songs. And I was surprised, impressed how many people, you know, are really into that song when we play it live. Because to me, that's a little bit more of a uh, kind of it obscure, is more of a deeper track. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you never know with Maiden. So how many times have you seen Maiden? Oh, God. Somewhere in the probably 30s. First time I actually saw them was on the Killers tour with Diano. Me too. Um yeah, so I've, I've probably seen him 30 times. I saw him six times just on the Power Slave Tour. I saw World Slavery four times. Yeah, World Slavery. Yeah, and I've seen, I saw uh, Legacy seven, eight times, seven or eight oh, times. Man. And then I was supposed to go to Australia and New Zealand, and that got canceled because, you know, pandemic. Right. I'm going to download. I was going to go to download two years wow. ago, and that can be getting kicked down the road. So I'm going to download this year, and I'm going to Belsonic in Belfast this year. Gotcha. Did you happen to see the Legacy Tour in either uh, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, or Chicago? I did not. I okay. saw, but I did see the Book of Souls in Chicago. I actually, I actually did merch for Iron Maiden on those shows. Oh, you did? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're good to work for. Oh yeah. I got this buddy. He did some. He's a computer guy, and he did some website stuff for them back in back 20 years ago and to mm. this day he is still on the guest list if, anywhere he goes they have a ticket waiting for him he's, al he's cool. always on the list 20 That's years cool. later yeah. they never forgot they never they were they always so good to him continued to be so good to him so that's awesome yeah they, they, they take care of their, their fans quite a bit their, their merch guy that's out on the road with them, you know, he hooked me up with a, a pair of Nico drumsticks. I have a, a photo, a, a drawing that I did of Eddie in high school when I should have been paying attention in class. 
And I have everybody in the band signed on it. And the funny thing was, even though I've met Nico many times, for some reason, I never got his autograph on it. I'm like, oh, my God, how do I not have him on this? I've met oh. him so many times. So when I was doing merch, I brought it to the show and asked their merch guy, is there any way you can get Nico to sign this? And he took it back and said, well, I'll see what I can do. And took it back. And like their uh, wardrobe assistant, she was blown away that I had Clive Burr and Paul Diano on there you know, autograph. I was like, I got everybody in the band except Nico. So he came back and got it signed for me and, you know, brought me a pair of Nico sticks and a pair of Nico sweatbands and stuff. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's awesome. When you do shows, do you guys have some sort of a writer or something? Do you, do you get, do they feed you? Do they, Sorry. do you get drinks? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty easy to work with. You know, we don't, we don't worry about brown M&Ms backstage or <laughs> anything like that. But most time, yeah, I mean, they give us food and, you know, what we want beverage wise, which is usually just water and, you know, some Coors Light and a good craft beer or something. And we're, we're good to go. Yeah. Cause again, we, we tend to play, you know, more, a little bit more nicer venues. We're not really playing dive bars because part of that is just our production. You know, that's why we we're the Iron Maiden experience. We don't just get up and play Iron Maiden songs. We've got production. So we kind of require a 24 foot stage. We, we have a secondary stage set that we can play a 16 foot stage, but we really, really try not to. So mm -hmm. we kind of go in with the mindset of we, it's got to be 24 foot or we need a different venue. Because of that, we end up playing nicer venues that are used to semi-national or national acts and they right. you, you get treated better and they kind of are more professional about the whole thing and stuff. And that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. You should definitely look into coming to Boston. I'd love to. Look me up with some yeah. places. Send me some info. I'd love to. We have some, I'm thinking on top of my head of some places that you might play. <laughs> there's a, actually, there's a really cool place in my hometown. It's actually three blocks from my house. It's an old movie theater. The only thing that sucks about it, it's got a big stage. The only thing uh -huh. that sucks about it is that it's like all like there's seats. I mean, you can stand in front of your seat and, you know, dance or whatever, mm. but it's not like there's no like open area. That's the right. only thing that kind of like really sucks about it. But I've seen R Richie Blackmore, Blackmore's Night there a couple of oh, times. Nice. I've seen um, uh, King's X there plays there, has played there like four times. So, I mean, yeah. they get national stuff and it's a big stage. That's the only thing that's kind of weird about it, though, is just the seating is kind of because yeah. it was an old movie exactly. theater. They had trivia bit and I knew somebody that works there. So I might see what I can do. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, it's a thing where, you know, between Nashville and in Boston, you want to try to get some gigs on the way up because to come all the way this far for one right. night is really kind of shitty. And then it's not really cost effective either. That's kind of the other thing. That's why a lot of like you see a lot of the the opening bands on bigger tours will try to put some club dates together because, oh yeah, you know, it just makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's something we always have to factor in too, is then when the yeah, venues will ask, you know, what do we charge and stuff? It's like, well, how far out is it? And if we can get some other things along the way, we can give you a better rate because then we're making up for it on, you know, with some other shows along the route. Right. So what shows do you have coming up? Plug your shows. The only, the only thing we've got right now, there's been several things kind of in the talks and in the works, but nothing's panned out. The only thing we've got right now is another Nashville show. We haven't really announced it, but I, I mean, I'll go tell you. It's uh, July 23rd here in Nashville at a club called Bowie's, which is a good rock club. A uh, good buddy of mine. He, uh, you probably, do you know Chris Sisnick, Decibel uh, Geek podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He hosts the Rockin' Pod. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they're not doing rock and pod this year, but he's doing like um, a, a little like get together thing. Uh, you should reach out to him if he hasn't reached out to you yet about it. Cause he, he just found a lot of the podcasters kind of wanted to come in for it. And uh, so we're, we're playing that as, as part of that, but it's still a show that's open to the public. Uh, he's just going to do a special pricing thing with some of the podcasters that are in town for this little networking get together thing. 
Oh yeah, that might be very interesting uh, to yeah. do. I'd be yeah. interested yeah. in checking that out. That would yeah. be cool. Have you, have you guys ever been to Rock and Pod here? I haven't. No. Okay. Yeah, you should come down for it next year when he does. He's doing it in the spring next year. Uh, but it's actually a really, really cool event. Uh, I've been the last couple of years and just it, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty big. It's I think he's going to do two days this year coming up. Wow. Instead of just oh, yeah. one because it's kind of gotten so big. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I definitely would have to check that out. So where can anybody who wants to get in touch with you, anybody that's listening to this that maybe has a club or whatever, or wants to follow you on Twitter or whatever, tell everybody where they can get in touch with you. Sure. Yeah. 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 The, the, the website is powerslaveband.com on Twitter. I think it's, well, it's powerslave B because we couldn't fit the A-N-D in the, in the name for, cause Twitter limits you. So it's powerslave band without the A-N-D on Facebook. It's powerslave band USA. But yeah, if you go to like the powerslaveband.com, uh, there's a full press kit. Any uh, clubs or venues can check out with our videos and, and logos and stuff. If you email, it goes directly to me. So anyone you know, interested in trying to book us, you know, please email me there for sure. So what, and one other thing I wanted to ask you is, do you have kids? No. No, okay. I was just wondering if your kids were like into like, I don't have any kids either. <laughs> if I did, they would be. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming and uh, chatting with me. Send me your information so that I can put it in the notes. Okay. Everything that you just said to everybody else so that they can click on. I did listen to your, you were on with Uncle Steve, my friend, Uncle Steve, Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden. So I listened to your Iron Maiden story. So I know that some of the stuff maybe have been overlapped, but some people may not have listened to that. That's fine. Well, thanks for having me, Melissa. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. And I really appreciate it. And everybody go check them out because I have checked you out and you guys are really good. And I hope that maybe you can come to Boston. That would be fun. Yeah. Send me some club info. I'll definitely reach out to him, see what we can do. I appreciate it. I will do that. I will definitely do that. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.